Welcome back to the Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a great day. My name is Richard and I will be your host today. And in this episode, we're going to finish the four episode uh, walkthrough of the context and the letter, the first epistle from Dante to Cardinal Niccolò da Prato in 1304. So we had three episodes now going through all the events from the beginning of 1300 until Dante's exile in 1302. It's so like two years of of strife, tension, civil war, and then the expulsion of the white Guelphs, and among them, Dante. So, where we left from the last episode is that the Donati, the Neri, had then taken control of Florence. We're in April 1302, and Dante is put in exile. So, we're going to just have a tiny bit of history, and then we're going to look at the letter in itself. And then we're going to look at a passage in Inferno where Dante is describing all of these events that we've been going through now in the last three episodes and in this one. So what happens when they are now in exile, the Bianchi are in exile? And there's one document from June that year, two months uh, after this this big expulsion, when uh, the Bianchi and other exiles are having a meeting in Mugello about retaking Florence. But in general, most of the exiles lived in Arezzo, which is another beautiful town in uh, in Tuscany. It's also the town where Petrarca was born. So you then had several efforts from the Bianchi to attack Florence and retake the city, but these all failed. And then in the spring of 1304, this is now a jump two years later, the exiles then choose Alessandro da Romena as their leader, and they have a council of 12, and Dante is one of these 12 people in the council. So this is kind of the setting with the exiles and and their situation from these two years, from, from April 1302 to now spring of 1304. And then if we move over to Florence, so things are not going that well in Florence with Donati as kind of uh, in charge of the city. So he himself is very unsatisfied with what he sees as restraints on his power. So you have growing tensions between him and the priors and the people. And then because of some of his, his moves and his, his, um, his push to get even more control, there's another short period of robbery, murder and arson when then Donati goes against the priors and then the Lucchese, people from Lucca, they have to come and they calm down the city and they disarm both of the factions. And at this time also, after October in 1303, Boniface VIII is gone. So you have a new Pope, Benedict XI, at the papal throne. And he was said to, according to the contemporary historian Villani, he said that, that Benedict XI was a good man, honest and just, of pure and religious life, who had every wish to do good. And another historian has called him a universal father who did not sow, but removed discord. So this is then the new pope, and this pope sends, and now we come to the letter, he sends Cardinal Niccolò da Prato to Florence. And this is the one who is then the, the recipient of the first epistle from Dante. So... We're going to read from the letter in just a few seconds. Just first that the cardinal, he arrives in Florence on March the 10th in 1304. 
So it's a little bit like we've gone through some ter- very turbulent years and now we're in 1304 and these, these events are now kind of changing the situation a little bit, uh, at least seemingly. So March in 04, the Cardinal has uh, immediately great support from the people who are very tired and exhausted by four years now of a civil war. There's a bit of resistance from the nobles towards the Cardinal. And then in April, he, the Cardinal sends a letter to the Bianchi, reaching out to the, the exiles, because the Cardinal wants to, to bring ho- the whole of Tuscany uh, to peace and also kind of make Florence and the rest of, of Tuscany also then in kind of in harmony, in, in a peaceful situation. And the answer to this letter from the Cardinal is Dante's first epistle. So we're going to read now a few of the, a couple of the passages. So just the opening of the letter, kind of the preamble of the letter to the Cardinal from Dante is, To the most reverend father in Christ, to the most beloved of their lords, the Lord Nicholas, by the grace of heaven, Bishop of Ostia and Velitri, legate of the Apostolic See, and also ordained by Holy Church, peacemaker in Tuscany, Romagna and the Maremma, and in the lands and regions lying adjacent. His most obedient sons, Alessandro, captain, the council and corporation of the party of the Bianchi of Florence, commend themselves most loyally and zealously. So that is the preamble. So again, you had the leader, Alessandro, uh, who is the captain, and then the council with Dante among those. So it's a very short letter. It's got kind of five pages in a kind of normal book form. So with four parts, it opens. We're going to have just a couple of more excerpts. So from the opening then of after the preamble, it is in paragraph one. Having been admonished by salutary precepts and entreated by apostolic compassion, we respond to the series of holy messages which you have sent after councils there to us. So just referring to that, the Cardinal is now in Florence on behalf of Benedict XI, and he has sent uh, some letters then to the Bianchi in exile. So it's interesting how you have praise in the beginning. The second paragraph is very full of kind of thankfulness of, of gratitude, as we'll see now. So it says there, uh, as not ungrateful sons, therefore, did we behold the letter of your paternal solicitude, which consonant with the beginning of all our desires, forthwith filled our minds with so great a joy that no one could measure it either in word or thought. For the course of your letters promises more than once under paternal admonitions that welfare, which we well nigh beside ourselves in our desire for it, coveted for our country. So you can really feel here Dante's uh, hope and, and kind of the forcefulness of this hope with such a great joy and uh, it could not be measured in word or in thought. So it's also then, as an aside, it is, it's helpful to remember that for a long time Dante was very hopeful that he would actually return to Florence and that things would get back to normal, which I actually never did. But he didn't know this in the beginning, so it's still kind of... A, one can sense uh, how Dante is changing the mood in these 20 years in total then in exile, uh, from hope to uh, other emotions among them, kind of resentment as well. So, But he says here, um, 
to what other end were our swords and lances reddened, unless that those who had mutilated the civil laws in full hardy enjoyment should submit them next to the yoke of righteous legislation and be compelled to maintain the peace of the country. Now addressing the, the Neri, Donati, the Black Guelphs. And this also, the second paragraph ends with, uh, that he says that you who have put on compassion for such great a city and hastened to allay the profane quarrels of the citizens. So again, this is the, the hope in the second paragraph. And then the third one is more like uh, that they are fully kind of establishing themselves in concordance with, with the intentions of the cardinal. So they say here that, uh, that they will uh, deliver ourselves entirely into your paternal hands as your most devoted sons and lovers of peace and justice, having now sheathed our swords, submit ourselves to your guidance with ready and sincere good will. So that is the main part of the third paragraph. And then the last one, the fourth one, is some of the wishes they have. This is also, like the tone is interesting here. So, therefore we supplicate in a filial tone and with the greatest affection, your merciful compassion, praying that you may be willing to pour down upon that Florence, now overwrought for so long a time, the sleep of tranquility and peace. So you can also, to some extent, feel the exhaustion here as well. And it ends there with a kind of a full submission at the end. The last sentence is like, but always to render an obedience as loyal, as dutiful to whatever it may please you to command. Those are the final words of the letter to the cardinal. So that is the main contents and the highlights from letter one, epistle one from Dante. And then we're going to look a little bit on the aftermath and then we're going to look again then at Inferno and see how Dante describes all of these events over the over these four years. So uh, part what happens after this letter and, and the whole uh, kind of this effort from the Cardinal to, to create peace is that he then sends for 12 delegates of the Bianchi and they are sent to Florence for consultations. But these Proceedings are then sabotaged by the Donati, the Neri, again and again. And they are also forging letters and they are creating uh, conflict, <laughs> intrigue, tensions, and also new riots. So the Cardinal then leaves Florence after three months on June the 4th. This is then the summer of 1304. With the following words, quote, Since you will have war and anathemas and will neither hear nor obey the messenger of Christ's vicar, nor have peace or repose amongst yourself, remain as you list, with the malediction of heaven and the holy church upon your heads. End quote. So, then he excommunicates the citizens and he lays the city under an interdict. And he returns, the cardinal returns then to Benedict XI, who approved of all that which he had done. So that is the aftermath. It doesn't, it doesn't go well with the Cardinal Niccolò da Prato and his efforts also then kind of under the, the, uh, the intentions of a new Pope that was very different from Boniface. But still, the, the civil war, the, the rivalry in Florence is just too strong and then he gives up after three months. So now we're going to go to Inferno. We're going to read 
these sections where Dante is describing this. So this is in uh, Canto 6 in Inferno. It's also interesting that the Canto 6 is a political one in all the three books. In Inferno, it's about Florence. In Purgatory, it's about Italy. In Paradiso, it's about the, the Roman Empire. So it kind of goes bigger and bigger. So we're going to read here from, so this is the third circle of the gluttonous, and he is talking to the soul of Chacco. So it says, quote, from the Inferno here, verse 58. Chacco, I said to him, your grievous state weighs down on me. It makes me want to weep. But tell me what will happen if you know to the citizens of that divided state. So this is set now again in 1300. So Dante is writing this about 10 years later, but he's asking for a prophecy of this soul. And continue. And are there any honest men among them? And tell me, why is it so plagued with strife? And he replied, after much contention, they will come to bloodshed. The rustic party will drive the other out by brutal means. Then it will come to pass, this side will fall within three sons, and the other rise to power with the help of one now listing toward both sides. For a long time they will keep their heads raised high, holding the others down with crushing weight, no matter how these weep or squirm for shame. Two just men there are, but no one listens. For pride, envy, avarice are the three sparks that kindle immense hearts and set them burning. With this, his mournful words come to an end. So this is summing up, in, in many ways, what we've been talking about now for, for the last uh, th three uh, episodes and this one. And just to, to make it a bit more explicit, so the citizens of that divided state is then Florence, and then after much contention, they will come to bloodshed. This is referring to the beginning of 1300 and then to this, uh, this conflict and bloodshed on May the 1st of that year. The rustic party will drive the other out by brutal means. So this is referring to how the, the Bianchi are driving out the Neri. Remember how they, they threw out Corso Donati as the head of, of the Neri, but not Vieri Cerchi as head of the Bianchi. Then this side will fall within three sons and the other rise to power with the help of one now listing toward both sides. So this is then the Neri will rise to power after the Bianchi. The help of the one is Boniface the eighth, listing towards both sides. So as we mentioned in that episode that that the, the game from Boniface is a bit more unclear, but he is then uh, he his intention is just to get the power and he will go with whichever side that, that eventually wins. And then he talks about how the, the the Neri Donati are then holding others down with crushing weight, no matter how these weep or squirm for shame. Two just men there are. This is not settled who he is referring to, who Dante is referring to here. Uh, but then there's no one listening to these two just men. And then just to sum up what is driving, and this is, an, this is a part of the, both the Divine Comedy and the medieval cosmology that you relate events in your life and in your city or, kind of, or in the bigger scale as well to a sort of moral philosophy as the source of the problems. So he sums up then pride, envy, and avarice as the three sparks 
that lies underneath all these events. So that's uh, what we wanted to just point to here in the Inferno. And you can see the tone here is very different from the letter that he writes in 1304 to the Cardinal when he's still hopeful. So this is more at a distance and it's a bit more kind of resigned to, to the, the, what has happened and how these forces of pride and envy and avarice are just too strong and they have then ruined, as he saw it, the city and, and uh, made it divided and also led to this reign of, of the Black Guelphs and Corso Donati. So that's all we wanted to say in these episodes. Now we've been through the whole context of these four years before the letter to Niccolò da Prato, the Epistle 1, and also how Dante refers to this in Inferno, Canto 6. So hope some of this was interesting, like this whole kind of four episode long walkthrough of, of, um, of the background and, and uh, Dante's, in some ways, his first beginnings of this very long exile. And it's also, it's also fascinating sometimes to think about that these things led to the Divine Comedy, which is in some ways the, the greatest thing ever written. And it's a huge gift to, to everyone afterwards. And after 700 years has been this immense source of inspiration, joy and wisdom. And that grows out of these, these events. So if things have gone differently, which is always kind of this fascination sometimes of historians. Uh, if Dante had come back to Florence, maybe the Divine Comedy would never have been written. So this also, that lies underneath all of this. So with that, I hope you're still having a great day or a great morning if it's early. And um, as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.